Welcome to Built Brave. Driven women sharing their stories to show others what is possible for them. Because we were all born brave. I'm your host, Lo Wentworth, and this is Built Brave. Are you ready? Hello, everyone, and I'm excited for today's episode to drop because it's with a dear friend of mine that I've only known a short while, but she created her own candle company called Merchants of Beauty. And if anyone knows me, knows I love candles, and apparently I have a knack right now for picking out candles that smell like men. So if you want a candle that smells like men, just let me know and I'll find one for you. But anyways, I digress. And so we just discuss how she decided to create her candle company, what goes all into it, and everything else in between. It was so much fun. I had a lot of laughter. I learned a lot about her too. And she wants to give Built Brave listeners 25% off their first order with Merchants of Beauty. And the code is BRAVE25, all capital letters. Brave 25 and you get $25 off your first purchase of Merchants of Beauty candles for the whole month of July. So you better get on it because it's only for the month of July and her candles are the best and wait until you learn so much more about her and why she creates the candle she does and what love and labor she puts into it. And I'm excited for her next collection to come out besides the one she currently has. And with that, let us begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited about this guest. I met her back in September, right, Ava? 2019, Summit of Greatness, total random stranger, pulled up in the, the hotel laying on the bed while you guys were out. <laughs> So before we get any further, Ava, can you introduce to the audience who you are and what you're about? Yes. Hi, everybody. Uh, Lo, thank you so much for having me on today. Um, I am super excited to be here and have a great conversation today. Um, I have a company that is based in New York City called Merchants of Beauty. It is a boutique candle company that focuses on creative storytelling through meaningful objects. Um, And for us, meaningful objects are candles. So we use color, scent, and design to tell a story through these curated collections. So that is currently my business. I just launched in January after five intense years of development and a lot of hurdles and lessons. Um, And that is where we are currently. Hmm. Hurdles and lessons. I do. My favorite candle is the 4 a.m. candle, by the way. The 4 a.m. candle. So if you guys have a moment in the show notes, you will have my website, merchantsbeauty.com. Each candle has a meaning attached to them um, specifically for this collection. And the 4 a.m. candle, it says 4 a.m. New York City. And being a New Yorker, it was attached to nostalgia for me for a lot of the amazing memories that I have after midnight in this city. And people have had such amazing things to say about that candle. I received a beautiful message from somebody who purchased it saying, thank you so much for creating this candle. In a time like this, it made all of my memories come back 
that made me smile to, you know, what my life was like before what we're currently going through with the pandemic. And it was a total stranger. I did not know her. She reached out on Instagram and it was such a nice message. It made me feel really good that I stuck to my guns um, in development with how I wanted to roll this collection out and where I wanted to go with the meanings. So that was that was a really validating and very happy moment for me. Isn't it wonderful when you get those like little, I call them little nuggets from the universe. It's, I always get them when I'm just about to be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm yeah. done. Oh, oh my God. We're allowed to curse. This is so exciting. Yes, we are allowed to curse. I'm sorry. I didn't yes. tell you. You're allowed to curse in this New Yorker. You're so loud. I can't censor myself. I try. It does not work. I was holding it in so badly, but I wanted to drop mm-hmm. an F bomb. I feel so much I feel so much relief now. Um, but yeah, to your point, it's I was literally like about to like light my business on fire the night I got that message a couple of weeks ago. I was like, what is the fucking point of this? And you know, it was just it was one of those rabbit hole moments where, you know, despite having your best days where you know that you will prevail, you will solve the problem, that you have great people in your corner, you have amazing support systems. You know, sometimes it's scary doing this solo. You know, I am a solo entrepreneur. This business is me from every facet of it. Um, You know, I have a brand consultant and I have great graphic designers I work with and I have mentorship. But when it comes to doing all the work, shipping, designing, having manufacturing relationships, it's all me. And it felt really overwhelming in that moment because the pandemic really required me to pivot to a different sales platform, which wasn't something that I was prepared for. So that was a very scary space to be in to learn how to do something so quickly and to have to have that shift. And I just had one of those moments where I was like, geez, like you look at everything under such a like a high profile microscope that you could really pick yourself apart. And it's never helpful. And I got that message. And I was like, keep doing this, Ava, because there's something here. People are connecting to this. People are like, this is resonating with people. And that's, that's awesome. And it helped me through it. And it got me back on the horse the next day, you know, and I think the lesson there is don't be so hard on yourself. Like, it's okay to have a moment, but don't turn a moment into a lifetime, like, feel it, acknowledge it and keep it moving. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. So let's talk about the pivot. Corona comes along, makes you pivot because you've been pouring your heart and soul into this for like, what, four and five years. And January, finally, like, oh, my God, I'm giving birth to this baby that I've been creating. And now the universe is like, hey. Yeah. Nope. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So I gave birth to these five little baby candles um, in January. I've, yes, I've been in development for close to like four or five years. Um, If you take a look at my candles, they are hand painted. They are hand screened. Um, There are a number of hurdles that I hit with the manufacturing, um, which we could definitely dive into later if you'd like. Um, And it, it took time to correct some errors. And the one thing that I wanted to lead with as a business owner was integrity. I wanted to have so much integrity behind the product that I was offering somebody that they were going to purchase. And it took me 
almost two years to do really thorough testing on what I was bringing to market. So that's a little backstory with kind of why the development really took what it did. Um, So Corona came along. And prior to that, my focus was on building wholesale relationships um, to be in specific boutiques, and also to look for niche market partnerships. I really wanted 4am New York City to have a home in the hospitality industry here in New York, um, and also other places that are fans of, you know, New York and just kind of the energy that New York is symbolic of. Um, our LaDonna candle, which is has a beautiful red tone to it, a beautiful silhouette of a woman. That candle I really wanted to see um, in a spa space where women are really taking a moment to kind of connect with their inner beauty and their wit and just kind of nurture themselves. So each candle was built for a different area. So I was trying to cultivate partnership relationships. Um, and leading up to the pandemic, there was some really interesting stuff that was on the table. Um, one opportunity from a very large fashion house, a really big restaurant group here in New York. And that felt good. It was like, okay, we're, we're connecting here. And it seems like there's a really cool opportunity for partnership and engagement. And then it was like, life out, doors closed, see you later, you know, when Corona hit. And in that moment, I realized that I needed to try to cultivate a direct-to-consumer relationship. And I needed to try to reach my audience directly through my brand, as opposed to trying to reach them through a wholesale outlet or a partnership outlet. And that was something that, to be totally honest with you, not that I was avoiding, I was avoiding the social media component, like the Instagram component, which in today's day and age, yeah, it, I, I was like, I don't want to do a story. I don't want to be on camera. Like, get away from me. Leave me alone. Um, I just, I didn't want to do it. And it's not that I didn't want to, but I also have a to-do list that's 17,000 things long regarding the operational stuff. But it's been an amazing experience. I dove. I was like, we're going to make this work and I'm going to learn. I am going to learn how to cultivate this and I'm going to learn how to make this work for my business because we don't have a choice right now. Like you could either be resistant to your reality and what's going on, or you could say, cool, there's an opportunity here to work with amazing coaches, talented people, and there's an opportunity here to steer and redefine what I had wanted to do to make it work a little bit better. And that's kind of the current place that I'm in right now. So it's a day at a time. And it's been really fun, you know, learning more about myself, learning more about my customers and connecting with them on Instagram has been amazing. Um, And it's really nice to be able to have that authenticity with them and to be able to share a little bit about myself and what I go through as a business owner through my platform. Mm. First of all, I want to say it was so ironic that you did not want to talk on Instagram or do the stories or share any of that, because if anyone listening has noticed, like you have a background for each collection and each candle is like its own individual person. And you shared me with me your process for your next collection and what you did to get in that. So it's like you love telling stories. You just didn't want to do it on Instagram. And I'm like, okay, that will be fun for you. Yeah, you're, you know, you're a thousand percent right. I mean, the irony there, I don't think could be like any more true. It's like here you have somebody who 
quite literally creates collections around telling stories and who is enthusiastic about sharing, like you said, that process and what they are. But it was like the minute that camera came on, I was like, leave me alone. Um, but it's been, it's been, a, you know, there's a learning curve with everything. And, you know, I had mentioned before, I'm going to be 34 in September. You know, I have so much more to learn about life and it keeps surprising you. And this was a plunge that I took and it, it seems so simple, right? Like, do a 15 second story. Like, what is the big deal? But when you're in your head about it and you get into a certain space about it, it could become something that's so much bigger than that. But I think when you really look at your end goal, and this was something that I wrote actually in my own prep notes leading up to the interview, you need to know what your why is. And if you can connect to that consistently for anything that you're doing, it will be your guide. And that's what I needed to learn when it came to the social media. I needed to know my why. And my why was being able to connect to my audience and being able to offer a space to see a little bit about me as a business owner and as a creative and as a designer. And I think that's a really cool piece of your business to be able to share with people. So that was my why. And the more I remind myself why I'm doing it, it becomes a lot more enjoyable. And that's kind of what has happened naturally with it. So it's been really cool. It like gives you that inspiration, that that boost you need. So it's kind of like I've worked this year on, you know, creating an alter ego like Beyonce does as Sasha Fierce. And now in the past couple weeks, past couple days or weeks, I'm like, I need to rewrite that because things have shifted for me, change. It's like I've uncovered parts of myself where I'm like, oh my God, there she is again. So my alter ego needs to, you know, upgrade. But it's always been nice to be like, well, what would Graceful Rebel do? Oh, she would do this. All right, I'm going to go do that now. So that's just like on a personal level. But in your business, it gives you so much more of an oomph to be like, okay, got to share this. Someone out here needs to know, even if it's one person. I agree with you a thousand percent. And it's, I look to all the people who have done podcasts or who have shown authenticity or vulnerability or transparency with what they were building and how much it resonated and was helpful to me. And I think when you can look back on that and say, okay, I was given an opportunity to build something and to do something. And there were a number of people who in my journey who have been very kind to me, um, with offering me their time to teach me something, um, offering me a phone call to be a sounding board, helping connect me to somebody. You know, those gestures, they, they mean a lot. And I've always said that I would love to do nothing more but to be in a position where I could talk about this experience and be able to pay it forward in some way for somebody who is trying to develop something. And even for people who have developed things already, I think there's always an opportunity to continue to cultivate our skills um, and to improve upon stuff. Like last night, I sat in on uh, a Zoom call that my gym was doing, and it was about uh, coaching around productivity. And to be totally transparent, on some days of the week, I feel like a ping pong ball. It's it's literally like an email from a manufacturer. So that's obviously a priority because we need to continue to get product made, right? But then it's like follow up with a potential partnership 
who we might do an Instagram live for. And then it's like, okay, well, that becomes priority because we're trying to cultivate and get the schedule together for that for the next month, right? So it's like you become a ping pong ball. And I often forget to take a minute to step back and take a moment for myself. And that was one of the things that came up last night. It was planning out your week and really picking those three things that help to rejuvenate you. And when I take time to do that, it is amazing the clarity that I get around what I was struggling with, how my creativity comes through. It is such a positive thing. But the reality is sometimes you get so consumed by trying to do the to-do list and everything that winds up becoming a quote-unquote priority because it all essentially is important that, you know, I kind of struggle with that. So in continuing to learn and grow, being a part of these groups, participating in these Zoom calls, these are all things that I still do because they really help to continue to help me evolve and, and start to cultivate what I really want to see for my lifestyle. Because sometimes you need to check in with yourself and, and, you know, check that out. Like it could be stressful trying to develop something. It could be stressful after you've developed something and you're in this stage where you're trying to continue to float it or grow it. Like it's, you know, it's not a rainbow all the time in the sky. I wish it was, but you know, some days are harder than others. Oh, I mean, I'd, I don't think I'd say I'd rather want rainbow and bubble gum days all the time because then I don't feel like you would appreciate like you liked my post the other day about Starbucks that's one of the things I am missing I am just like even like talking about it now I'm just like okay what am I going to do okay so I'm I'm probably going to be drooling like a dog getting this that bad I'm just like it's going to be a matcha green tea latte it's going to be venti I'm probably going to be up all night, but I'm like, I don't care. I wish everyone could see me dancing like over here on the screen as you're talking about this because it makes me so excited. This is like one of the one things that was that I enjoyed doing was going. It doesn't have to be Starbucks. Starbucks is just when I'm it's an experience. It's right. about an experience. And going and getting coffee and just hanging out. It was like one of those one places where for me, I could just like, zen out for a minute and just enjoy and that's I think that's because that's where I first started practicing mindfulness and being present was in those places and plus I like the coffee shop vibe but yeah yeah I I love that I think I think that's amazing that you could could say I started practicing my mindfulness journey and like you know one of the most popular coffee houses that has a million people in and out of it. I just think like I tip my hat to you. That's like I need to be locked in a closet with like a blanket over me and no noise. Like when I try to get my deep focus on like that. Um, but you know there was a, there was a coffee shop over here that just opened recently. Um, I'm here in New York City in the Queens Borough uh, in Astoria, and I was craving a green tea latte with almond milk like it was my thing I used to get them all the time I stopped drinking coffee over a year ago so green tea lattes um and chai lattes and the little bit of caffeine is fine I just don't drink coffee anymore so I went like two weeks ago and that experience of buying a latte like you would have thought like I hit the lotto and just bought 18 summer homes like I was like over the moon like it was and somebody said to me oh well you could just buy matcha online and you know and I was like no 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 no. I was like it's the whole experience like 
it's spending the seven bucks because I'm in New York. <laughs> That's what a lot they got. Like it's spending the seven dollars. It's putting my card in the machine. It's it's walking with that cup in my hands. Like you don't understand this was part of my life. And it's, you know, it's ridiculous. Like, do I need a green matcha tea latte to survive? No, I 100% don't. But the experience of it just connects me with something that I really enjoy. I, I miss going to, despite having an office space here in New York, um, I'm a member of Luminary, which is a co-working space in Manhattan. So that was really nice, but I would still love to go into a coffee shop or a cafe. Like it made me feel great with my laptop or my notebook to order a latte. Like there's a great feeling that goes along with it. So uh, girl, I'm with you. Like I, I, I miss it too. I definitely, definitely miss it. Mm -hmm. And it also was like a trigger for me. So going out through or an anchor rather going through law school and college, like it was the one thing that I'd be motivated for, feel like focus. Okay, I have my latte, time to grind out some shit and get it done. Yep. It was like your treat. I remember um, I moved to Los Angeles at 22. I was a film theory major here in New York. And I went out to Los Angeles to be a makeup artist. That's what I wanted to do. And I went to makeup school. Um, I really wanted to learn how to do special effects. And about two years later, I went back to school uh, to get my esthetician's license for skincare. So I did that and I was uh, working freelance as a makeup artist. I was working part-time at Bare Essentials um, in one of the outdoor malls in California. I was working for a company um, that was a networking group for hair and makeup artists and I was in charge of their monthly events. So I was working there and I was in school and it was the one thing like I was drinking like five cups of coffee a day but it was like every time I went in to buy one at Starbucks it was that experience like this is gonna get me through and I was like chain smoking a pack of cigarettes which I am very happy to say I've quit nine months I'm very proud of that and it was like I was doing anything to get myself through juggling it but it was the reward of that coffee that seriously in my head I was like okay like I just need to get through one more shift. I'm going to grab a coffee and we're going to keep it moving. Like we can get through this. Um, but it's true. It's like those, those little things keep you going. It's like, and it's a nice little distraction too. Like, right. You get to talk to the person making your coffee, the person, you know, swiping your card. It's like, it's nice to have that little engagement sometimes that's just kind of kind and natural with like a stranger and then you keep it moving. And that's something I miss. I miss like those little moments of just connection with, with people because they seem to be really limited these days, which you don't realize how much you take for granted until it's, it's really not available to you, you know, is the, is the lesson on that one. Mm. That just reminds me, we'll finish up this little tangent to go back to, well, how did you go to LA and why? Like all of that. But I've been talking to a bunch of people and I go, I don't drink. I'm not really into the bar scene because I don't drink. I also don't like it when I see people sloppy. Also, they get intimidated because they feel like they're going to hold something over them. When I'm like, I don't give a fuck. You do whatever you want. I'm just here to enjoy. But I did say, I kind of just want to go into a couple bars for like a couple weeks and just see how the natives interact with each other. Because I want to know what the middle ground is because I don't know what the middle ground is. I know it's going to be one extreme is going to have people all over each other. The other extreme is going to be people being like, okay, you go and have four feet now, four feet. I'm not going to make you say six, but four feet. And I'm just like, what's the middle ground going to look like? 
how are we, how are those people who are like, I don't want to be all over each other, but yeah, I don't want to be those people who are like, mm, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's very bizarre to think about it. There was, um, I forget who he is. If he's like a restaurateur here in New York, I quickly caught like a clip of it that happened to be on TV, but it was about these plexiglass dividers that were going up in the restaurant. And how you would like go into your booth, the divider would be there. And then it was about another concept for like scanning your smartphone, a locker pops open, grab whatever food. It was like a 13 foot wall of like all these different lockers with scanners after you ordered your food. And they, the one plug at the end of it was like, look, like we've created this. Nobody ever has to come in contact again with each other. And I paused for a moment and I was like, wait, but. I don't want that. Like, I still want to be able to interact with people and, and have that moment. And, and, you know, like it's, you know, smoking horrible habit. I'm, I'm not saying you should be a smoker, but when I was a smoker, you know, you would go outside and you would bump into the other people indulging in their bad habits. And it was such a natural connection point. Right. And I think of something as simple like that, like, where will we be at one point? Like, will we be okay again, just chatting with each other all on the street when we bump into each other like that, you know? And I I think about that often. And I think it's a kind of natural thing to come up because we're really in like this new place with the experience that we've gone through with this pandemic. So, you know, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't want to lose that human, human contact. It, it does a lot for me and it means a lot to me. So I'm curious to see like how automated things will become or how we will continue to evolve without losing that connection component. I think that will be interesting. Well, we'll have to because human beings have to have touch. They have to have that interaction. I mean, there's been studies shown that babies literally die. Newborn babies die if they're not being touched. I, d- I did not know that. And I know for myself, like I texted a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I just want to be hugged again. Like, I just want that, you know, like I want those arms around me or I want to be able to like give somebody a kiss on the cheek when I say goodbye to them. You know, it's like, it's little things like that, but it's true. You know, I'm like, I want to cuddle more than my pillow. Like, you know, <laughs> like, that'd be great. <laughs> I've like named my pillow at this point, like Tom Hanks mm-hmm. and Wilson with the, with the little volleyball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where I'm at guys. If anyone was wondering. <laughs> That's probably where a lot of people are at at this moment. And we'll be for a while until we figure out how to interact with each other in the wild again. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> so I want to back up. Okay. You went off to LA to do the whole movie makeup scene. By the way, I didn't know you went to esthetician school. I did. Yes. I made no wonder, no wonder your skin is so fucking amazing. You should have told me a long time ago. We'd have more conversations about that. Why? Thank, thank you. And it's a whole lot of serum. So we will, we will have a whole conversation. <laughs> Serum, guys, if I oh my gosh it's like your, your witch's serum like I, my grandfather says I have a witch's brew in the morning it's my my smoothie and it's full of different stuff but yeah so it's let me tell you if 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 being a girl not even being a girl but like it's just it takes an it takes an army of products 
I will say that. Like, if you want to try to keep it together, like, it takes an army of products. It's like vitamin for this, serum for that. Don't forget your eye cream. Put this in your smoothie. Did you add collagen peptides to that? I'm like, I don't have room for all this stuff in my apartment. <laughs> but yeah, we will we will totally have like a skin consult chat one day. Um, but yeah, I, I went back to esthetician school out there because I was like, I really want to learn about the skin and I want to know how I could really optimize makeup application when I'm working with people because it would frustrate me that I would struggle with what products would really work for somebody's skin type. And, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I'm obviously out of practice, you know, with doing that. Um, makeup will always come naturally to me. Skincare, I understand very well for myself in certain conditions, but there is amazing um, estheticians out there who do what they do and just the understanding the quality of products, especially with today, you know, people want so much more. Uh, when it comes to the ingredients that they're putting on their skin. So there is, yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff out there. And and I'm definitely a big believer that, you know, what you put on should, should be good for you. So. Hmm. So back to LA, why did you go out there? What did you learn? So I decided to go out to LA. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated from college. Like as plain and simple as that story is, it's it's very true. I was a film theory major here in New York. Um, I wrote and wrote and wrote um, and was a great writer at it. Um, you know, writing just came as a skill that was strong for me and, and I was able to cultivate it. And one of my professors had said, you know, I usually don't tell people to go straight into grad school. He's like, but I really think you should apply to go to uh, USC and you go into the film program. And I just, I couldn't see the future with it. I was like, what am I going to do? Write film theory for the rest of my life? Like I couldn't, you know, so then again, this is me at 22, like, you know, trying to make sense of this. So I decided I had always loved makeup. I really wanted to learn about special effects. And my mom really wanted me to go to law school. I was like, just go to law school, pass the bar, and then go do like whatever you want. And I was like, I can't spend your money like that and and literally have no desire to do something. Like I was a great student. I graduated with honors. I'm a very good writer, but I knew that I would have struggled tremendously because I did not want to be there. Like no matter what. And I was like, okay, well, maybe media entertainment law. Cause like that seems kind of, fun. it was just, no. So I had a very honest conversation with my parents. Like, Hey, this is what I really want to do. And like, I've researched the schools and there was two locations actually for the school I went to. It was Los, Los Angeles, California or Orlando, Florida. So my mom came with me and we took a trip to go visit both schools. And, you know, I had been to Florida a bunch of times, but I had never been out to California before. And there was something calling me for, for LA over Florida. So that's why I picked it out there. Um, and I, I remember sitting so vividly on the stoop front steps of my childhood home. Um, I grew up here in New York in the Bronx. And I remember sitting there and saying to myself, you can't not go because you're scared. Like fear can't be the reason you don't do this when I was trying to make the choice if I would go or not. And because school started, makeup school started in October and I had gone to visit in like July. So I had like a pretty short window to be like, okay, I'm moving my life across the country. I need to find an apartment. I need to figure it out. So I think that was 
a huge lesson that moment. I always think back to it when I get stuck about making a decision. I always think back to fear can't be the reason that you don't do this. Like you have to find your courage to give things a try. And that was how I wound up out in LA. Um, And it was really challenging. It was really, really challenging. Like the first year or so of being out there. Um, 3,000 miles across the country. I had no family out there. I knew absolutely nobody. The only people I know knew were through school uh, that I was in class with. I had to learn how to live on my own. I never had to do that before. Like, you know, there was always food in the refrigerator. There was always groceries. I had access to a washer and dryer in my home. Um, and it was like, oh my God, like, how do I grocery shop? <laughs> I, remember, I remember calling my mom up and being like, you know what a parsnip looks like? And she's like, what, a parsnip? Like, I was like trying to cook all these elaborate meals for myself. I had no idea how to portion control or meal prep things. Like, it was like, and I remember calling her one night, like a couple of months after I lived there. And I just thanked her for her ability to just so effortlessly balance being a mother, being a wife, taking care of me and my father, running a business working crazy hours and just showing up for everybody. I was like, thank you. I literally, I had no idea what you were doing. Like, and, and I, like, I just got a little taste of it trying to survive out here on my own. So, um, that was, that was an interesting transition out there. Um, I think one of the biggest takeaways from being in LA when I became part of the events team for the hair and this hair makeup artist network that I was a part of, um, that's when I found my first mentor, uh, who was my boss out there. And she was one of the most amazing people I have ever met. Um, she had an incredible way with words. Uh, she had an incredible way with negotiating and she had an incredible way of really valuing if you weren't able to be compensated for what you were doing, that you would need to learn something that would be valuable to you. Um, and working alongside of her out there taught me so many skills and I wouldn't even really come to realize those skills until much later in life when I was back in New York. Um, so that was something that I, I really took away from California. And I think it's a huge lesson too about character and genuineness. I think sometimes it's, it's very hard to meet people who are genuinely willing to take their time to help teach you something or uplift you. Um, And that's always the type of person that she was. And I think it's a huge lesson in paying it forward that if that was done for you by somebody, pay it forward and and do it for somebody else. Because I think collectively, that's how we really keep, you know, the growth and the learning going. It's the only way. I mean, until I don't know how many thousands of years ago, we didn't even have writing. We had oral communication and that's how stories and other stuff were passed down. Yeah, it's it's completely true. It's, you know, and I think when you're in that industry, particularly, um, you know, I wasn't working on, you know, a list, you know, humongous films, but, you know, being a part of that kind of Hollywood kind of vibe, you know, you come across a lot of different people. And, you know, a lot of people are gunning for their career and what they want. And they're very talented. And I think sometimes people don't make that effort to help you know, bring others up with them. And that's always who she was. Like if she won, her team won and she brought them up with her. And 
And that laid the foundation for a lot for me moving forward. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. Um, you know, and at one point it was time for me to go, you know, I stayed for four years in California. Um, and I decided to make my transition back to New York. Um, you know, I think that was probably the second biggest lesson I would say that I, I took away from being out there. I was so unhappy the last year that I was out there and I was really trying to fight that. I was really trying to fight that. So much came up for me. Am I a failure if I go back to New York? Um, what will people think about me? Which in hindsight, 2020, it doesn't fucking matter what anybody thinks about you. The only thing that matters is again, that you know why you were doing something. You were the only person that needs to know the answer to that. Why am I doing this? Why am I choosing to move home? It only needs to make sense to you. You don't have to share it with anybody. And it's the one thing that if you could really remain honest to yourself about the answer to that, you will continue to move forward. Do not become disillusioned by what would work for other people, other judgments that they have. I've never lived a linear life, ever. Some people like a lot of structure. Some people you know, like going to the same place daily. It was never something that appealed to me. I really loved being a makeup artist and being out in California, even when I was juggling three different jobs there and going to school because my environment was constantly changing. Every day was something different. I got to meet different people. The projects changed consistently. And there was something about that change that kept me really motivated and interested and engaged in what I was doing. So I learned that about myself, that that environment and that those kind of circumstances are where I excel creatively and what keeps me motivated. So what works for you might not work for somebody else, which is why I say you need to know what your why is, because other people's opinions will be dictated by what works for them. So I think that was a tremendous, tremendous lesson um, that I took away from making my move back home. And in those days, the one thing I would repeat to myself constantly was, I don't lose anything by moving back to New York. I am still me. I am still determined. I am still motivated. I still have the tenacity to get to where I want to be. Like I don't lose any of the qualities that I have as a person. And I needed to remind myself of that because it was a really hard decision for me to make. It was a very cloudy one. But ultimately, it was one of the greatest decisions I ever made. And the older I get, sometimes I think that I might wind up back in California because it's a different way of life. Just like New York is a different energy, you know, and I think you need to be honest with yourself about what serves you and what vibe you're looking for or you particularly particularly need at a certain time. And it's okay for that to change. Like, I do not believe we are meant to live a life that never shifts, like, you know, like you hear some of this like linear thought patterns and I'm like, you know, you got to leave room to, to go with what feels right sometimes, you know? Mm. Yeah. The, I call it the box checking lifestyle that a lot of us kind of like break out from. And you made a really good point knowing your why, even though it was cloudy for you, gave you something to hold on to and that it was something for you because you can't live your life. I can't live my life the way other people want or other people can't live our lives for us. We have to do that for ourselves and we don't have to explain why we're doing something. 
So like you going back to New York City, you don't have to explain that. But I think it's also very beautiful that you put in there that you're not a failure going back there. It's just something that you need at that point in time for whatever reason, just like choosing between Florida and California, you chose California because something was calling to you out there. Yeah, it was, I mean, I was 22. It was like the opportunity for an adventure to like go run around LA and like be a makeup artist. I mean, you know, it was great, but it was super scary at the same time. Um, And, you know, I, I think too, we get so, influenced um or were myself but you hear a lot of things right and I think one of the things I heard a lot when I came back was oh what happened it didn't work out out there and it was like no it it worked out fine like and it working out was me giving it a shot and then it working out even more was me being honest with myself about what I wanted that's when something works out but you with growth and with becoming an adult and learning how to take things with a grain of salt. It's like you learn how to not take things personally. Like people have different perspectives. People have different, different opinions. Again, you know, the value it had for you or, or what a certain circumstance holds for you. And that's what matters at the end of the day. But it took me a long time of, you know, weeding through how I felt about hearing things to be able to get to that place. Mm -hmm. That still be like a little, little trigger I know sometimes in small town Iowa I ran into someone the other day who she's known me all my life but I don't put a billboard saying where I'm at or <laughs> who I belong to and they know me as Laura back here so they're like you're Laura aren't you I go mm-hmm next thing out of her mouth I effing hate not married yet I'm just sitting here and I'm like, okay, I don't hate it because it highlight. it used to make me feel like I was a failure because of the, the Midwest mindset of like by a certain age, you'd be married and having kids and, you know, I'm going to be 30 this year and all of that. <laughs> it makes me mad because I'm like, my fucking value is not in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, you know, to each their own, like if that's what you envision and you want for yourself, marriage, children, moving to Bali to go like learn how to teach the most amazing yoga class. Like that's awesome. Like it, it's what works for you, but it doesn't set the measure for what other people want. Like you set the measure and you know, I'm, I'm Italian, which if you guys could see this video that we're recording, like I haven't been able to say one thing without like flailing my New York arms and hands around. Cause I can't talk without them. Um, but my grandfather who God bless him is going to be 90 this year. He's still alive. Every time I see him, you gonna get married? You getting married? Am I gonna come to your wedding? Can I meet your boyfriend? I'm like, yeah, let me know when you find him. I'm single, I don't have a boyfriend, I'm not getting married, not having kids anytime soon if I even have kids. But it's like that constant, and it used to get me so twisted. It used to get me so twisted. And my my dad would be like, because it's my father's father. I feel like, you know, Nuno just, I call him Nuno, which is grandfather in Italian. I'm like, he can't just like let it go and like not make a comment to me. And my dad's like, he's 90. He wants to celebrate you. He just wants to know that you're happy. But you know, when you really look at where it's coming from, right? And you look at my grandfather's life, 
he's 90. They lived through World War II. They come from a different mentality of you get married, you take care of each other, you work hard, you have kids. Like, you know, it comes from that place. But again, you take it with a grain of salt because he can't disconnect that to realize that we live in a completely different world today and that somebody might not want to be in a relationship at the moment or might want to focus on their career. You know, they think it's like, I'm like, I could take care of myself. They're always like, who's going to take care of you? I'm like me. I'm really capable of doing a lot of things. Like I lock the door. I shut the stove off when I'm done with it. Like I'm really good at doing these things. It's going to be okay. It's just interesting, like reminding yourself, like why they're telling you, like, where is it coming from in the first place? And then second of all, you're kind of like, okay, I, I am supposed to be an adult right now, even though I did ask the question of my family, my grandparents, I go, when do you feel like a grown up? But again, to each of their own, they had hilarious answers. One of them was like, when, I don't know, let me know when you know, (laughs) I'm sitting here, I'm like, perfect. Never. Yeah, they they certainly have some interesting perspectives on stuff. But again, like, it's about you. It is your life. You're living it for you. You're not living it because anyone wants to see you get married or, you know, like you just, you know, because we've all been there. You know when you're doing something and it's not for you. It's like the shoe doesn't fit. Like you're trying to jam your, you know, foot into a shoe that's literally not your size. Like it will become uncomfortable at one point. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, not a lot of people actually go and do that for themselves. So it's hard for them to embrace it when they see someone else doing it. So that's where like, oh, it didn't work out in LA. And what do you mean? Am I supposed to just be there forever in LA? I Once I leave, I'm never coming back. Why does it have to be an all or nothing? You're a thousand percent right. Like things are not black and white you know, they, they are gray and blurry where the black and white bleeds into each other. And, you know, as anal as I am sometimes about wanting things to be black and white, it's like, it's true. There's a lot of that, you know, things overlap again, like things are not linear and talk about like vulnerability or, or feeling like you didn't want to be vulnerable about stuff. It's like, I almost felt like I owed people an explanation when I came back to be like, well, I was like really unhappy. And then like, I, you know, when I struggled, like, no, like it's, it's not, you don't have to explain that to anybody. Just, I was ready for a different adventure and now I'm back home. That's it. Like that's for you, you know? And it's, it's not, you don't, people don't need to understand. And I think that's something that took me a long time um, as well. Like people don't need to understand, like you need to understand and you keep it moving. Mm-hmm. So where during this time frame did your love of candles come in and your inspiration to be like, I want to have my own luxurious candle business? I want to have a business. Uh, so I came back to New York and I was very much like, wow, you make a decision that you want to leave a place and come back home. And literally like you pack a bag, you got on a plane and like you start all over again. Like it really is as simple as that. Once you commit to making a choice, you know? Um, so I got back to New York. I honestly did not know what I wanted to do. I knew what I liked, what I mentioned before. I liked having an interesting day. I liked meeting different people. I liked creating projects. I liked the challenge of problem solving. I was creative. 
I knew I wanted to be my own boss essentially, but it was a matter of how could we cultivate that into something? And one of the first things I did when I got back to New York, my mom holds a U.S. patent um, for a product that was inspired by her being a florist for many years. And she was, it's a bouquet holder for brides to hold when they walk down the aisle. And she had originally been making it in sterling silver and wanted to explore the option of 3D manufacturing. So I took over doing that. And that was diving into another industry that I had no idea about. I was completely a novice too, and it was really challenging, but it was really, really cool to see how you could cultivate business relationships, how you could take something from the conception of an idea to actual development, to working with designers on it, to managing a team around it. So that was kind of my first shot at managing something really on my own and creating it. Um, So that kind of led into, I always loved candles. The first candle that started the brand, Merchants of Beauty, was Burns Like a Bitch. And it is a complete reflection of my sass, my personality, my humor. But the idea behind it was to really create a product that was modern, sophisticated, had something a little edgy to it, but was really quality. That was like sexy and quality and had an amazing fragrance to it. So I set down the road to create something out of this idea for this one candle I had. It was just one candle. And it was quite the journey from trying to find a manufacturer who was based in the United States to work with me, um, realizing that as a small business, when you have, you know, at that point as a novice, I was like, oh my God, well, 10,000 pieces is like a large order. you were still considered incredibly small at 10,000 pieces. And I'm talking, I wanted to make like 250 pieces. So it was like, who is going to work with me? So I set down this path, right? But I knew I wanted quality. I knew I wanted quality wax. We use a natural wax blend, which is a blend of soy and coconut. I obviously led free wicks, which the industry uses. I wanted the standards to be met for safety uh, through the National Candle Association There was so much that I continued to learn throughout the process, but I knew I wanted a quality product. So Burns Like a Bitch got created. It came, it came to market and I laugh. I'm laughing right now, which you guys can't see because I think back to the first box that we used for that candle that I designed. I put gold foil all over that box. Like I couldn't help. You could have seen it from outer space. That is how blinding that product box was. And I thought it was like the greatest thing that I had ever created or seen in my life. And I look back on that box and I'm like, Ava, what is going on here? Um, But it leads into a bigger story. I approached a couple of people once the candle was made. And again, I just had this one candle. I did not have the collection. And they were like, hey, we like your concept. This is cool. But you don't have a line. Like, we need you to have a collection so that this doesn't get lost. So I was like, okay, let me start thinking about how I could cultivate a collection. And then I get a call from California uh, from one of my friends who's like, hey, my boss wants to put a couple of candles in her store. Uh, Send a line sheet. And I'm like, sure, no problem. And I hang up the phone and I'm like, what the fuck is a line sheet? So (laughs) I'm like, 
okay, great. Let me, let me Google this, right? So it's like me against the formatting in Microsoft Word at three in the morning now where I'm like, I got this. They'll never know that I had no idea what I was doing at 3 a.m., right? But you jump on that opportunity. And I think it's, it's such a pure moment and such a great story to tell because it was the excitement of like, holy shit, like I built this. Somebody's interested in it. But I very humbly have no idea what I'm doing right now because I've never done this before, right? So anyone who's listening, be kind to yourself in those moments because you will come to figure it out. So I make this line sheet. We put it out there. The price point wasn't right for them, whatever. So I continue to say, okay, I really want to grow this brand. This is the audience that I want for this brand. I want people who are going to appreciate meaningful objects. I want to continue to grow. So I set out to, I knew that the box needed to be redesigned. So that was one thing. And then I set out to design the rest of the collection. And it took about two years of really diving into understanding branding and where we wanted to live as a brand and really cultivating the feel of that collection. Um, And I had sent uh, for the show notes, a couple of people that I had wanted to, uh, to mention. And there are three people who have been very instrumental in helping bring this brand to life. Um, Melissa Hall from the emerging designer is a brand consultant and Melissa helped me fine tune my story and my vision for what I wanted Merchants of Beauty to be. And she has an incredibly critical eye. And if I could lend you an additional piece of advice throughout this chat, get people in your corner who are going to give you critical, constructive criticism, because it will help you refine how you design, how you write your copy. It will show you where you have gaps and it will help you cultivate what's really going to be receptive when you're putting something out there. Um, And Melissa, I continue to work with her. We've been working together. April will be about a year that we've been working together and it has been one of the most valuable relationships. Um, Danielle Monaco was the graphic designer for four of the pieces in the collection. Um, One of the things that I did was I redesigned the original graphic for Burns Like a Bitch. And that brings up a point that I wanted to make also. Do not listen to other people's opinions when it comes to design that you want to do. People would say, leave it, just, just bring it to market, put it out there. Don't, you know, and in my head, I was like, listen, it's not that I don't like the initial design, but we need it to flow with the rest of the collection. Like there needs to be something cohesive here because then you get into the intricacies of design. You want your collection to look cohesive together. You start to look at the line work, what needs to be slimmed out. Like there's a lot of intricacies that go into it, right? And some people would look at that and say, well, you're being a perfectionist, you're being too specific. And it's like, you could be whatever you want because you created it. And I can guarantee you that if you decide to listen to the chatter that you hear sometimes, you will not be happy with the product that you put out there. And, and that becomes challenging because you need to be happy with it and you need to be able to stand behind it for, and that'll show that makes a big difference. So Danielle really talented on um, really cultivate relationships where people understand you and that you have a good creative vibe with Danielle was always really understanding to how my creative process worked. 
And she was really able to work with me on what I wanted to come through and the graphic work that got done. So Danielle Monaco, her information's in the notes. She's amazing. Um, and then Anthony uh, Lamana. Anthony, I know for a long time, um, and Anthony was really there at the inception. He designed the new box for the whole collection. And what I adore about Anthony is Anthony will always inspire you to be a dreamer. And he used to say that continuously. He's like, this is your space for you to dream when we work together. And what he did was he brought that element of modern, chic, sophistication and refinement to what I wanted to bring out in the box design. And he was really able to translate that. Um, and if you look on my website and you look at the boxes, there's a paint stroke that is the logo of Merchants of Beauty. And Anthony designed that. And that stroke has become an identifying mark for the brand. And, you know, his eye really helped guide me um, graphic wise for a lot of refinement that went into the collection. So it takes an army. Um, I will say surround yourself with great people who are going to support your vision, but who do challenge you and who are constructive. Um, I say take things with a grain of salt, but be open to constructive criticism, but know who you are, know what you want, know what your vision is, Taking constructive criticism and deciding to switch something up doesn't mean you've drifted from your vision. It means that you're making a choice. And those are choices that you will essentially have to make. So just make sure the sources that you're getting that information from are people that you are collaborating with. I think that's the most important thing for anybody that you bring on. So that was something that took me a while to really cultivate to say, okay, when I think of my team that I use, graphic, brand consultant, um, what do I want out of these people? And what do I want out of this collaboration? And that'll make a huge difference for the success that comes with it, because you need to be able to have a good relationship with those people. Mm. could talk about so much more with you on that, but I think that's a, a great transition into our final questions. But it's really so important you bring up the importance of having a team or for me it's like having that village because I'm you hear the phrase it takes a village to raise a kid and I sit here and I'm like where did the village go why why is there no more village why why do we have to do this by ourselves like what happened to the village the village can't just up and disappear after <laughs> you cross this mythical whatever stage of your life but yeah just up and disappears. The village is gone. Um, no, it says it, it takes a, it really does take a village. You know, we ran into an issue. Um, I say me, we like me and my like imaginary board of directors, it doesn't exist. Um, I, I tremendously value, I have, you know, a circle of, of best friends that I bounce ideas off of that have been so genuinely supportive. Um, you know, when I lost the vision and I couldn't see it clearly, they, they reminded me um, and they've been instrumental. And my parents as well, I have a great relationship with both of them um, and I value their opinions a lot. So when I say we, it's like, that's my reference because people have asked, who's we? I thought the company was just you and it is, but th that's my we because I, I value them and they've lifted me up in the moments where this has been really painfully challenging with a lot of setbacks um, that happen. And 
one of the setbacks that I wanted to mention, because um, it leads to a bigger point, when you're a small business, you will not get favored by, by manufacturers. Sometimes you will get pushed further down the line, you will get dropped. Make sure you have a working relationship with the manufacturing partners that you have. And if you're working with one manufacturing partner who sends a particular component out of what you're trying to build to another manufacturing partner, make sure that you're the direct contact because you don't ever want to have to go through a middleman because you want to be able to express to people, this is what I want to do. This is valuable to me. This is the type of relationship I want to establish with the business that we're doing with you because that line communication, it keeps you in line with these people and it gets things done quicker. And then you really do start to build up a working relationship. Um, That was one thing that I had to learn. And I think it's important to say, hey, I know that we're going to make a sample with you guys. This is the business relationship that I'm looking to cultivate with working with you. I find talking about that straight out the gate really says something um, very clearly about what your want is from starting this relationship. Because you want to work with partners who are on the same page as you and partners who deliver um, and partners who are part of that collaborative effort to get you the results that you want from their business. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm not going to ask you any more questions or make any more comments because then this this podcast will go on for another three hours. Six hours. If you guys just want to come hang out in New York, like when we can go back out again, me and Lo, we're going to pick a coffee place and you can just come meet us and we'll just sit there for hours and talk about everything. Mm, done. When we can safely be around other humans and not have to negotiate the six feet. Yes, yes, yes. So Miss Ava, where can everyone find you and don't give your address? Yes. So if you guys would like to come over, um, I am a big puck, I will say. Um, I just tried Sun Basket. Shout out to Sun Basket because I was being lazy about going to the grocery store. But you guys could find me on www.merchantsofbeauty.com. I am on Instagram at Merchants of Beauty. Um, come take a look at Instagram. We have some really, we, me and the imaginary board, uh, have some really cool stuff going on for the month of June and July. There's going to be some giveaways, uh, in addition to some guests that we will be doing some live Instagram, uh, stories with, and I think it'll be really fun. So if you guys are around, come and check it out. All the details will be on the Instagram page. Um, and also, there is going to be a special draw that we will be doing in August. I am offering a limited run of a specialty candle that I designed, and we will be debuting it in late August. So I hope you guys check in either on the website or on Instagram, because um, it's a really fun one, and I would love for you to check it out. Does it smell like a man? You know that's important to me. I know that you enjoy that man smell. Um, but this one, I chose to go with. Um, there is there's a semi-floral in the line. It's oud. For people who are not familiar with oud, it's a resin that's harvested from a wood from the Middle East. And this particular oud is blended with rose. It's a very sweet candle. Um, it's very intoxicating. It's my favorite, even though they're all my favorite. They're all my babies. Um, and that's the Smells Like Success candle. So for this candle that I'll be launching in August, I really wanted to go for a floral profile because I don't have that. So I went with a beautiful gardenia. 
and the notes in it are really uplifting and just very fresh. Um, and that perfect transition for kind of that humidity in August rolling into that crispness of the fall. So I think it'll be a nice compliment to that transition too. Well, I'm excited to hear that story behind that candle. I'll probably end up buying it because it just sounds like, oh, that's the feminine side of being like, all right, well, I'll just buy two candles then. I'll get my man candle and then I'll get get the, the woman candle and I'll be fine. Girl, yin and yang, right? Like that's, I mean, we, you need a little bit of everything to balance it out. So thank you for having me, Lo. This was so much fun. I could talk to you forever. Um, if anybody listening ever has a question or if I could help you in any particular way or lend any advice um, from what I've gone through in the development of my company, please send me a DM on Instagram and I would be happy to chat it up with you. Mm, but you're not done yet. I have Two more questions. Three more questions. Oh, we have four. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. You just have a lot of... I let you just go on and I saw what time it was and then turn on like, fuck. Okay, gotta gotta end this. I'm not leaving yet, so I take back my goodbye. I'll do it all over again. It's fine. People do it all the time. All right. So what is a book, podcast, resource that has added value to your life that you'd share with the audience? And it doesn't have to be one in each category. It can just be one out of those options or a completely other option that I didn't mention? Um, The book I'm going to go with is To Shake the Sleeping Self uh, by Jedediah Jenkins. He decides to embark on a bicycle ride from Oregon, I believe, to the tip of Patagonia. And it is a story of many things. And it's a true story. And again, it's about learning who you are and knowing who you are and why you're doing something. And I think it's a really, really cool lesson in a lot of stuff that people will find very common to what they have struggled with and the beauty of kind of going for it. So that's my book recommendation. Um, Podcast is Style Your Mind, um, which is, she's amazing. The Champagne Diet her books. Um, I love her voice. I love how uplifting she is. And I love the one thing that I have heard her say over and over again, in addition to other nuggets, is that you don't have to only do one thing. If you were being called to do something in addition to what you do, go do it. Go do it. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Like follow your dreams and follow what you want to do and give it a shot. So. Mm-hmm. All right. What would you say has been your bravest moment? My bravest moment. My bravest moment was not giving up on the business and continuing to move forward with it. Um, my mom speaks about knowing your risk tolerance. And I think that's something more and more as a business owner, you begin to assess. I used to have really big meltdowns and get very upset when things would go wrong with the business. And now I'm at the point where I don't get upset or really stressed about them. They kind of just roll off my shoulder and I look at them as another problem that I will solve. Like I go into it with complete confidence that I will solve this problem. There will be a solution to this. Maybe it wasn't the initial one I wanted, but that's learning how to be flexible and non-resistant in in a business space. So I think that was definitely my bravest moment was not kicking the bucket on this business, 
and really committing to everything that was going to come along with growing it. Hmm. And your final question, what is your definition of brave? My definition of brave is being true to yourself. And it's as simple as that. I think when you're being true to yourself and honest to yourself, it's the bravest thing that you could do. Because I think we've all had a moment where we've hid to make other people happy, where we've ran because we were afraid of of ourselves or what the outcome might be. And I think that, that would be my definition. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Ava. I thank wish you it for was having longer. me. This we'll is have amazing. to maybe do this. We'll have to maybe do this another time. Schedule okay. a different one. Have you Sounds just be a great. reoccurring guest every time? I would month. love that. I would love that. That would be <laughs> so, awesome. So, maybe we'll do an Instagram live now that I'm like not afraid to be on Instagram anymore. I, I was just spread gonna, my wings. <laughs> I was just gonna say for someone who said, "Oh, I'd love to do that," who hated telling stories on Instagram. Now it's kind of like you wake in the monster, and the monster's like, "How much more?" Can I have more cookies in the cookie jar? (laughs) You can't stop. They're like, put a sock in it, girlfriend. Please stop talking. I cannot be stopped now that I started. (laughs) But thank you, Lo. I love you. It was so nice to to see you here on Zoom. I know that we're just doing audio for this, but it was great to see your face. And thank you for the opportunity for letting me tell my story. And like I said, guys, if anything resonates with you or you ever have a question, please shoot me a DM on Instagram. I would love to connect with you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Built Brave. If you love this episode, heck, if you like this episode, please head on over, give it a rate, review, subscribe, like, shout it out on your social media with your major takeaways and what you loved about the episode. And as always, tag me in that at Low Wentworth because I love hearing what you guys got out of the episodes. And until next time, remember... You've always been brave.